Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, December 18, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. Leaky Black, Matt Nolanda, is here with me. And if you're looking for a detailed conversation about Cole Anthony's knee injury and what it means for North Carolina, you need to back up one podcast because we recorded an emergency pod on Tuesday afternoon that was 23 minutes, nothing but Cole Anthony. If you've already listened to it, I hope you enjoyed it. If not, and if you're interested, uh, go check it out when you can. Shouts to KJ Smith, Norlander. If it's cool with you, and honestly, even if it's not, I don't care. I'm going to start this episode on Kentucky, and the reason is because I don't think we've talked much about Kentucky since the shocking loss to Evansville, which was at this point more than a month ago. Since then, John Calipari's Wildcats have won six straight games, but the competition has been dog doo-doo. Just bad team after bad team after bad team. The combined record of the six teams UK has beaten since losing to Evansville is 25 and 37. The average Ken Palm ranking of the six teams UK has beaten since losing to Evansville is 215th. Only one of the teams is in the top 150. That's Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech's 4-4, four and four, ranked 94th at Ken Palm. I say all that to say, on Wednesday night, the Wildcats will play Utah at T-Mobile Arena. That means Cal's already got his team in Vegas. So they'll be settled in good in advance of Saturday's game with Ohio State CBS Sports Classic in that very same building. Here's my question for you. UK is 8-1. and one, But the Wildcats only have one top 90 Ken Palm win. The only good victory is a victory over a Michigan State team that Virginia Tech also beat. So the question is, what do we really know about Kentucky right now? We've seen the Wildcats beat a good team, lose to a bad team, and play a bunch of nothing. That's it. What do we know about them? Hmm. Well, I still think it's going to be a, a top-level team on defense. I think even though they haven't had the greatest competition so far, uh, when we get to – you know, middle of January, end of January, we're going to discover that this uh, that this group is is respectable enough on defense that it's going to give itself a nice shot at making a Final Four. Um, but you are right. You know, Kentucky has been largely off the radar here uh, ever since the Evansville loss, just as a function of uh, played nothing but home games and played home games against teams. Uh, most of which, if not all of which, will not be in the NCAA tournament. Um, in fact, probably the only NCAA tournament team Kentucky's played so far this season, obviously, the season opener against Michigan State. And to me, what's been interesting is against Michigan State, when we recorded that night at Madison Square Garden at, uh, what was it, like 2.20 when we started? I don't even know what. It was bad. It was late. Um, Nobody has a weirder podcast schedule than us. We will record <laughs> at 2.20 in the morning. And also, right now, uh, local time for me, 7.20 in the morning. I know, I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. We, we're getting to you the best we can here between travel and kids and everything. Um, but when that game happened, the one thing I was most excited about was Tyrese Maxey, who just came out on fire, looked like a stud, looked like a star. And he hasn't been an irrelevant player, far from it, but he has not been – uh, that same kind of player that we saw to start the season. And he hasn't completely duplicated Quentin Grimes at Kansas, who last season had his best game in the first game. I would say on the whole, uh, Tyrese Maxey's best game was the first game. Uh, but since then, he has not been shy on getting minutes. He's been a consistent presence, but he has not been nearly as efficient. He's not shooting well from three. Uh, that's a problem because I, I, I believed and I still believe that in order for Kentucky to kind of 
hit its ceiling. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's going to have to be a better three-point shooter. He's only hitting 29% of his shots there, not even 50, 50% from two-point range. Uh, fortunately, he is pretty reliable from the three-point line. So there's a few things we can touch on with Kentucky, but I think for me one of the biggest things is um, it needs an alpha. And on offense, you know, that can't be – Ashton Higgins, and it really can't be Emmanuel Quickly. It can't be Nick Richards, uh, anything like that. So it's got to be Maxie, and he just has not quite been that guy. We'll see if that winds up changing in the next two games, or if it doesn't, if that winds up being one of the bigger reasons why Kentucky either struggles against Utah or Ohio State. So the resume is is really lacking, as I pointed out. They, they've got a win over Michigan State, but that's the only win over a top-90 Ken Palm team. Um and then, of course, they've got the loss to Evansville, and that's uh, horrendous. Uh, still, uh, you know, we, we often d- discuss computer numbers. They're, they're eighth at Ken Palm, 26th in offensive efficiency, seventh in defensive efficiency. So that backs up what you suggested, that they're still going to be, even if they struggle on offense, um, one of the best defensive teams in the country. The uh, numbers right now back that up. On offense, though, they are shooting only 29.4% from three-point range. 29.4 that that ranks 285th in the country so that's obviously not good it should be pointed out they have been without Nate Sestina uh, for a while now he had wrist surgery last month initial diagnosis was he was going to be sidelined three to four weeks today is actually three weeks he's been practicing so um, he might be available probably will be available against Utah and or Ohio State this weekend he was starting before he was injured and averaging 7.3 points 7.2 rebounds per game. So getting him back should help, but I'm really interested, not so much to see him against Utah. They're a double-digit favorite in that game, but certainly interested in seeing them this week end because it will again. It'll be the first time they've played a an undeniable quality opponent since we saw them in the season opener inside New York's Madison Square Garden. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... Uh... An interesting, if not critical, uh, two-game stretch here. Utah's not terrible, by the way. They're, it's a weird team just to you know, hit on Kentucky's first opponent here because obviously we'll talk more about uh, the specifics of the Ohio State game when we preview that in more detail when we know what's happened to this one uh, against Utah um, you know, from Vegas uh, on Friday. But Utah, what's weird about Utah is it's like Kentucky in this regard. It's crazy young. It's the second youngest team in college basketball this season. Uh, the only team that is younger is Memphis, actually, uh, which makes sense. But there, it's still been relatively good despite of that. I, I was looking yesterday. It is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight freshmen on the roster. The top two minutes getters are Timmy Allen and Both Gok. I hope I got that right. Both Gok. B O T H. G-A-C-H. I'm loving Both Gok. Because I want to say, I want to say Goth Bach. <laughs> you know, Goth Bach is in like, you know, the composer. Goth, he had some gothic tendencies. Anyway, Both Gok. Uh, I hope it's that. I hope it's not Both Gak. Although Both Gak is actually probably, I'm really on a tangent here. Um, they're both sophomores. <laughs> And they are earning more minutes per game than anyone else. And yet Utah still is 8-2. and two. Losses against Coastal Carolina by 22. Okay, sure, why not? And then uh, lost on a neutral to Tulane, which is much improved in its first season 
under a new coaching regime. So uh, most notable win by far was the home victory against BYU. That was a, a pretty classic game uh, earlier this month here. But yeah, I mean Utah not quite top one under Ken Palm. I don't think it's I don't think it's that low overall though. I think it's actually a little bit better of a team. Um, big, strong down low. I think it'll. I think you might wind up seeing uh, this game decided. You know, from 15 feet and in between Kentucky and Utah. So uh, keep that in mind, Kentucky fans and anyone that you know Utah fans who winds up catching this game. Uh, we just it could be a little bit sloppy, but uh, you normally don't see a program like Utah be as young as it is. But that's the way the roster broke, and uh, that's what they look like this season. Utah can throw some names at you. Who else they got? Well, uh, not so much on this team, although they got some more on this team. But uh, I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce Bothcock's name. It's Bothcock. Bothcock. Or both. Both Gack. I don't know, but I really want to say Gothbach. Anyway. So a few years ago, I remember, I remember, I remember this, and I also remember being embarrassed by it. So I was on a radio station in Salt Lake City. You know, you you get these text messages, emails all the time, like, "Hey, could you come on and talk about, you know, college basketball?" Of course, of course I'd be happy to. And, and like the the Mountain uh, Time Zone and, and West Coast Time Zone afternoon drive shows are often perfect for me because I get off radio six o'clock Central, and I'm like, hey, "If you can have me at six o two Central." Um, that works perfect. Like perfect. So I just talked to him on my way home. So I'm, I'm in Salt Lake City, uh, on in Salt Lake City, and I'm talking about Utah. And they asked me a question, and I say, um, "Listen, you know the, the the team looks good so far. I mean, you've got Delon Wright. He's a like a real All American candidate. Cal Kuzma has been pretty interesting so far. And then the other freshman, the one I didn't really know much about, Jacob Pertle, like looks great." And then you find out, of Jacob. course, <laughs> it's Jakob. <laughs> I called the dude Jacob. Yeah. I mean, I called him Jacob, Jacob. on. Uh, I called him Jacob on Salt Lake uh, Radio. <laughs> by the way, people still do that. By the way, they still call I him know. Jacob. I know. Uh, I have, but, uh, I yeah, have it was, noticed yeah. that. So yeah. it's Jakob Pertle. It was Jakob Pertle once upon a time, and now we're dealing with who's our guy now? Both, 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 both Gak, both Gak. I don't know. But uh, by the way, I will also note they've they've. Uh, They've got a freshman named Ryland Jones who has been terrific so far this season. Utah, forty-eight uh, percent from three-point range, uh, really good point guard. So he is actually—he's been a standout. He, we've been tracking him in the Frost Watch. hasn't cro- hasn't cracked the top ten, but he's—he's he's definitely been like a top twenty freshman in America. Um, so we'll wind up seeing if he's indeed the best freshman on the floor Wednesday night. Last thing, keep uh, this in the back of your mind. Not because it's going to be relevant, but because it's something I thought of, and it, it's possibly relevant going forward. Um, if you remember the the 2013-14 season, uh, Kentucky was preseason number one, and they lost an early game, Champions Classic, to 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 Michigan State. Now that's not like losing to Evansville, but they but you know preseason number one is not supposed to lose to, on a neutral court to anybody by definition. So they lose to Michigan State, third game of the season. They're two and one after that game, and then just like this year, they play a string of nothing competition and win five straight games. So they're seven and one, and after that, they got a game with a pretty good but not great Baylor team, and we're still sort of assuming, hey, this is a preseason number one team. They're loaded with you know talented freshmen. They've already um, you know they, they lost to Michigan State, but they've handled everything else. Michigan State's not bad. They're fine, and then boom, they lose to Baylor, and then two games after that, they lose to North Carolina, and then people start to freak out. And this team ultimately went twelve and six in the ACC. I mean, SEC, after being number one in the preseason AP poll. 
Now, they eventually made the national championship game. They lose to UConn in the title game 60-54. So they got good, but they went after being ranked number one in the country, 12-6 and six in, the AC, in the SEC, and they lost 11 games that season. So they got good, or at least they got hot and went to the national championship game, but they weren't great much of that season. By the way, that season we had a title game. Do you think this will ever happen again? Between two teams that went 12-6 and six in their leagues. Forever is a long time, but that's obviously highly unlikely. Well, actually, actually, it might not ever happen again because of twenty-game league schedules too. By the way, for that exact same record, twelve and six right. is now a big ass. Right. Yeah. So, so now, now twelve and six could like double it. It could turn into to thirteen and seven or fourteen and six, and you could, eh, whatever. Right, right. But th- my point is, UConn finished in a three-way tie for third in the AAC that year, won the national title. Ma- makes sense of that. Maybe the weirdest champ in history. So, uh, my my larger point is about Kentucky. Um, you know, the, the, the preseason number two. They win a big game, lose a what the what in the world just happened game, and they haven't done anything since, and they've sort of been off the radar. But trust me, they won't be off the radar if, if they lose really either of these games this week, Utah or Ohio State, um, because when you are ranked where they were ranked in the, in the preseason, you're not supposed to be sitting with uh, against the schedule uh, two losses, maybe three before before Christmas. So um, anyway, Kentucky got two interesting games this week, both at T-Mobile Arena. We will not uh, be in attendance on uh, Wednesday night, but we'll both be there on on Saturday. Let's move on. Auburn, uh, uh, elsewhere in the SEC, is one of just four remaining unbeaten teams in Division One basketball. Bruce Pearl's Tigers, they play NC State on Thursday. We're going to get into that next, but first, uh, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So number 12 Auburn is one of just four remaining unbeaten teams. Tigers are 9-0, and but they're 17th at Ken Palm, so outside of the top 15. And they've got zero wins right now over top 65 Ken Palm teams. So BP, he has a good team, clearly. Um, but they haven't beaten another good team, if only because they haven't played another good team. NC State is the opponent on Thursday. Wolfpack 8-2, 35th at Ken Palm. Norlander, let me ask you this. Do you believe in Auburn, one of four remaining unbeaten teams, do you believe in them as a legitimate candidate to make back-to-back Final Fours? I do. Uh, I think that, is particularly in this in this season, 
in which we how about this first stat here right now there's not an undefeated team in the top 10 of the AP top 25 poll that's never happened before January in the history of the in the history of the poll or at least it's unlikely to happen it definitely hasn't happened in the past 40 years and then it gets a little bit murkier, like cross-referencing polls and records before that. But you had so many undefeated UCLA teams. Schedules didn't start till later. So anyway, I bring that up just to say um, the more proof that the top of college basketball has never been parity-driven, unpredictable, maybe weak, whatever you want to call it. And Auburn's managed to stay undefeated, still can't crack into the top 10 despite that. Uh, sitting at 9-0, and has yet to play an elite team needed overtime to beat a, a solid quality Furman club at home. But NC State uh, will represent the you know, the toughest opponent yet. Um, trivia time. Okay, okay. When was the last time? Yesterday. You, <laughs> that we podcasted. I thought that's about what you're going to the last time we podcasted. Uh, no, the last time NC State won on the road in non-conference play against a ranked team. Oh, Jesus Christ. How am I supposed to know that? <laughs> what, what, who, do I, who do I... Do I look like Mark Godfrey to you? Uh, Mark... I don't even think Mark, Mark... I don't even think Mark Godfrey has the answer to this. The answer is just... You know, Wisconsin, last season. No, no. It's, 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 been, it's been since 2001. So, oh, 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 oh! Of course, of, I of, I can't believe I didn't know that. Of course, of course. Um, so it's just it's been forever since NC State that you, well, honestly, like ACC team, not winning on the road against a non-conference ranked opponent, like you go almost two decades. That's relatively surprising. Now NC State has a chance going against Auburn. It's the best game Auburn's played for NC State. It's the best game it's played. It's coming off a ridiculous win beyond half-court buzzer beater to beat UNC Greensboro on Sunday night. NC State is 8-2, and two, really solid offense overall, but I think Auburn's the better team. I think it's got a really good shot at uh, a really good shot at, at getting back to a Final Four, if it can remain if it can remain healthy. Isaac Okoro is the name to know if you haven't seen Auburn yet. He's a freshman, has been terrific. Um, you know, they, they were they were fortunate to bring back guys like Samir Dowdy, D'Angelo Purifoy, Anthony McLemore, Austin Wiley. So that's been also a big help. But but Okoro has been something of a revelation as a freshman. And uh, he was a highly touted prospect, but he is, I think, even outperformed expectations. So, you know, to me, this is the the most interesting and biggest game of what will go down on Thursday night, aside from Maryland at Seton Hall. But that one loses some of its shine just because Miles Powell is probably not going to play in Seton Hall, won't have its two best players. To me, I'm actually more interested in NC State at Auburn. I thought uh, if you would have asked me, by the way, when is the last time NC State lost a road game to a ranked opponent non-conference play? My answer of Wisconsin last season would have been correct. It, so I think you, I think you just asked the wrong question. Lo- oh, you mean lost, lost yeah. to an? Okay, yeah, they lost, they lost to <laughs> NC one. State. Okay. I mean, they lost to Wisconsin. Okay, I thought you were about to just tell me. That they beat him, and I was like, "There's no way that happened." I, no I way. wish you, I wish you would have just asked me, "When's the last time NC State lost a non-league road game?" Um, and I could have said, 
Uh, that was last season at Wisconsin. <laughs> we had, had been perfect. You had that in your hip pocket, man. You, you were ready at that one. Why, why don't you set me up the way I sometimes set you up? Because I, I, I prefer to set you up, and, you, and instead you go, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, on your point about the top of the sport being down, evidence being that there's no undefeated teams in the top ten of the AP poll right now, there, there's some data that, that, that backs that up. We talked about it on a previous podcast. Ohio State still has the, the best adjusted efficiency margin in the country, even after Sunday's loss to Minnesota. It is plus 27-12. And if you take that and insert it into last season, it would rank ninth in the country. So the best team in the country right now in terms of adjusted efficiency margin would only be the ninth best team in the country uh, last season, if we inserted them into last season, so what that suggests is is that the the, the best teams the, the best teams this season aren't as good as as what our best teams usually are. And so keep that in mind as as these you know uh, quote unquote top ten teams keep losing. It, it's it's probably because they're just not as good as what we typically think of as top ten teams. As for Auburn, uh, which is twelfth in the AP poll right now, I, I do think they're a candidate for back to back Final Fours. But they are clearly um, lacking in terms of resume right now and lacking in computer numbers. They're 18th in offensive efficiency, 34th in defensive efficiency. And check this out. Not only have they not really played um, you know, anybody good so far, or certainly anybody great so far, they will not play a currently ranked team until they host Kentucky on February 1st. They're, they're a, this is a power five team with zero games against currently ranked teams in November, December, and January. That can't be common. It can't, but how are you going to dismiss 9-1 and one Richmond like that? The Spiders and Chris Mooney, victim, their only loss to Auburn. Richmond hasn't started 9-1 and one in like three decades now. They're not great, but they, they Auburn has played a bunch of – Solid teams, nothing great. They have a win over Colgate. Colgate's probably going to go back to the tournaments, the best team in program history. Uh, beat Cincinnati, as I talked about on a previous podcast. Um, Davidson was supposed to be better, but Davidson's one of the bigger disappointments. That's a team that Auburn has defeated. I mentioned Furman. Uh, St. Louis, you know, okay team, not a top three team in the A-10, I don't believe. Uh, and then New Mexico, which still isn't that good. But you're right. You know, the NC State it's game, they're not ranked. And then after that um, – you know, there are some road tests, but just none of the teams are ranked at this point. Like the road games that will front load Auburn's schedule in January are Mississippi State. That, Mississippi State's just not good. Uh, Alabama, not good. And then Florida, which who even knows at this point how good or not Florida is. But nonetheless, it is not ranked. So, yeah, obviously not a, a common thing. doesn't mean that like Florida can't be ranked by the time Auburn has to play them on January 18th. But as of right now... Uh, similar to what we spoke about with UNC on the Cole Anthony podcast, and, and you know the back of its league schedule certainly seems tougher than the than the first you know forty percent of it. I'd like to apologize to Richmond and the Spiders in general. Thank you. I'm Thank you. I. You're talking to the master of ceremonies of the ATN Media Day, and for me to be dismissive of Chris Mooney Spiders is in a, it's undeniably inappropriate. So I'd That's like correct. to uh, apologize for that, and also point this out. In all seriousness, when I was at A10 Media Day, serving as the master of ceremonies, um, I was talking to Mike Rhodes because he's the VCU coach and his team was picked uh, to win the league. And he just randomly, 
without me even asking, he said, you know who's going to be better than anybody realizes? And I said, who? And he said, Chris's team. Talking about Richmond. He said, they're going to be really good. People don't know how good they're going to be. And I thought it was odd because VCU at Richmond, I don't think Chris and Mike hate each other. I don't know what they do. I, I, but I've never, certainly never, like, that's not a, certainly nothing I've been exposed to. But I thought it was interesting, the VCU coach saying, people don't understand how good Richmond's going to be because Richmond and VCU are, um, they're, they're, they're rivals within the same city. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think the fan bases are fans of each other, even if the coaches are, are cool as school. So, um, shouts to Mike Rhodes. Like he, he, he spotted that early. He was like, they're going to be really good. And they are nine and one top 70 at, at, at Ken Palm. So I didn't mean to be disrespectful to the spider. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> it is on you. <laughs> and yeah, no, this has been a lot, just a, a quick, uh, quick note on, on Richmond, just to follow up here. Chris Moody has been there for 15 years and it's it's a long time. He got close. I think he basically had the Cal job if he wanted it um, like five, six years ago and balked at the last minute. And in the past two seasons, but really across like the past four or five seasons, Richmond fans were fairly fed up. I mean, it was a 13-20 team last season, um, but as, you know, when March comes around, you're kind of, you know, poking around on stuff as I understand it Richmond's just one of those places where it's like you know unless the situation is egregious they are not they are not buying you out they are it, you are lasting to the end of that contract it's just not something that that uh, administration does and it's paid off at least now I mean if if they had gotten rid of Mooney the you know last season or the season before the fan base would have definitely uh, uh embrace that if not celebrate it in some pockets but um mooney's got a good reputation nine and one building toward what could be an NCAA tournament season in a good a10 so congrats to him congrats to his players because it was you know it's an example not an overly common example but nevertheless an example of um if, if you hang on if you've got a good coach and you endure some down seasons doesn't mean that you can't get your program back to near the top of its league in a multi-bid league, which Richmond is. And right now, you know, it's nine and one. It's got a toughie here. On what we have, I, I know we have jinxed. I, we have jinxed the Spiders. They've got a weirdly tough game at Old Dominion on Wednesday night. We'll see if they can win there. Um, and if so, yeah, again, best start for that program in thirty plus years. All right, this is a Wednesday podcast, and we promised. Uh, last week that on Wednesdays we will take a few mailbag questions and and answer them at, at the at the end of each Wednesday podcast. The the way you leave a mailbag question isn't to tweet me. I'll mute you. Oh, I don't shit. need to hear your questions on Twitter. <laughs> That's aggressive. But but um, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you uh, give us a five star review and leave a nice comment and you want to ask a question there, I will go in and pull questions from there. And uh, one of our editors, Joseph Levin, will also go in and pull questions from there. So I went into uh, Apple Podcasts late last night, and I pulled three different questions, and we will go through them right now. Norlander, are you prepared for the first ever mailbag segment of the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast? Oh, I'm so prepared. And thank you to those who left reviews, I encourage, and questions and five-star ratings. I appreciate all of it. Fire away, Paris. What are you, you going to give me here? Okay, our first question comes from a gentleman named Caleb Wells, and he points out that we're constantly talking about, not just us, but people in general, constantly talking about the best conferences in college basketball. What he wants to know is, what is the best state 
for college basketball. In other words, what state mm. of the 50 states in the United States of America, which one has the best college basketball within that state? If I gave you, if I gave you a, a, a map of the United States without the states labeled, just out of curiosity, could you correctly identify all 50? Like if I tell you what's Wyoming right now, are you able to, are you able to do that for me? I feel like I can nail Wyoming, no problem. Think you could nail Mississippi? I know where Mississippi is. <laughs> I got that one, no problem. I think where it gets tricky is like up up where you're at. You got all those little bitty states really? <laughs> together. Rhode Island sneaking by the goalie, maybe. Yeah, you just you, you know you just got a bunch of little little things. Vermont, all. New Hampshire, fifty fifty proposition. Can't really say for certain. Okay, that's yeah, interesting. Like, I mean, um, I, I mean, I I could I could. You know, I, I could scribble New Hampshire one place and Rhode Island another place. We might have to flip them around at the end. I mean, I'd have the names all in the in the, in the right region, but, you know, I might miss one somewhere. How about, I don't know if I could do that. How about this? I discovered this over the summer. A friend of mine, we were I don't even know how we got in the topic, but we're hanging out, whatever, took him legitimately like two and a half minutes to name all seven continents. Can you name me all seven continents right now? Parish? Okay. Okay, I'm going to North, Amer- North America, South America. Okay. Europe, Asia. Yes. Africa. Yeah. Antarctica, is that still one? <laughs> yeah. And, and Australia. There you go. Okay. okay. When this played out amongst our social circle, uh, it was Australia that took that took him the longest, and it was like a minute and a half. I was just I'll so be honest. When I, when I got to five, I was like, I might be running out of comments. Oh, <laughs> and, and then Australia just popped into my head. <laughs> yeah, like, thank God for Australia. All right. Um, anyway, the, the question is, what's the best state for college basketball? How do we interpret this question? Because if you want the state that has the most plentiful options, it's California. Uh, California has, uh, you know, the highest volume of players because it's the most populated state in America and as you know, a byproduct of that, it has more Division One programs than anything. If you're looking for the state that celebrates college basketball as well as or better than any others, then you're going to have to look at spots like North Carolina, Indiana, Kansas is an interesting one, but I wouldn't say Kansas because Kansas has the Jayhawks, K-State, and the Octagon of Doom, and Wichita State. But weirdly enough, or maybe not weirdly enough, that's the those are the only three Division One programs in the state of Kansas. You might think that there might be another like mid major or small major that was even uh, in the mix there, but it's not. I'd say because of the success. Listen, you've got Duke and Carolina. Obviously, NC State has a national title. Uh, you have had good mid major programs there. I would probably say North Carolina edges out Indiana. And I'm talking historically, by the way. I don't know if the question was within the context of this season or not. Um, and don't worry, Kentucky. Like, I know you're you're fanatical. But Kentucky, it's Kentucky and Louisville. Western Kentucky's got some decent history. You're in the top five. But I, I, I really think I'd say North Carolina would be would be my answer. What about you? I think it's North Carolina, too, just because of the power at the top. I mean, it's Duke, North Carolina. Those are two top five programs in college basketball. Yeah. Um, now, now Louisville, Kentucky, you could argue, is two top ten programs in college basketball. And I don't mean right now, but just in general. So we could have a debate about what's who's got the best two. Uh, is it North Carolina or, or Kentucky? But 
you go Kentucky, Louisville in some order, and then Western Kentucky. Whereas in North Carolina, you go Duke, North Carolina in some order. You got NC State. You got Davidson. You've got Charlotte that was good once upon a time. <laughs> Wake Forest fans are like, what the hell, man? Oh, yeah. Wake For- I forgot about <laughs> Wake Forest. <laughs> I really – like I listed – teams last time i'm looking at them right now and my list is duke north carolina nc state david and charlotte <laughs> wow. i don't even have wake forest typed in <laughs> not good not I'd like, good I'd, I'd like to take a moment and apologize to both richmond and wake forest <laughs> <laughs> for the way this podcast has unfolded that's disrespectful <laughs> i've been disrespectful to chris mooney's program i've been disrespectful to to tim duncan <laughs> Did you put Charlotte ahead of Wake Forest? Dude, I just I rem- I remember the Bobby Lutz years fondly. Shouts to UNC Charlotte. No longer UNC Charlotte, just merely merely Charlotte. All right, what's the next question? Well, well um a couple others, right? Oh, uh, okay. Texas has Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Houston. That's pretty good. It's good, but it's a football state. Um California's got UCLA, USC, San Diego State, St. Mary, Stanford. That's pretty good. That is uh, that's good. Shouts for not forgetting about Stanford and replacing them with I don't know Cal Santa Barbara or San Francisco. So good on you. T- Tennessee has Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee. What about Rick Bird? Tennessee, man, if Tennessee. We just hard. To, it, it, you know, do you realize how unfortunate it is to get this question the year after Rick Bird retires? It's it's trust devastating. Me. That was the great unspoken. Can we please move on? Got East Tennessee State, Ohio State, Dayton, and Cincinnati in the state of Ohio. So there's a lot of good states, but I think Norlander and I agree. If you're looking for the best state for college basketball, it is North Carolina, uh, thanks to a bunch of obvious schools plus Wake Forest. Uh, Next question. Has Peyton Pritchard replaced Tyler Hansborough on the God, he's still in school, Mount Rushmore? Is it now Perry Ellis, J.J. Redick, Aaron Kraft, and Peyton Pritchard? That comes from B. Smith, 10-11. Perry Ellis is the exception to this rule because why is it almost always when we talk about this and there are jokes that stop being funny in like 1996, it's always the white guy. It's always the white guy that's been there forever. Perry Ellis, credit to you because you broke that trend. But you notice all the examples on that that were just given. And you know, Aaron Kraft, Hansborough, J.J. Redick, to me, you almost want to be one of these guys because it means people know who you are, you're a household name, you're awesome, your team has been good, and it feels like you've been around a while. So, you know, maybe you weren't able to jump to the NBA after the first season or the second season. But from a college perspective, you're a legend. And Peyton Pritchard, by the way, you know, certainly in the conversation to be a first-team All-American at this point, we'll see where Oregon goes from here. But... I would not consider him to be on the level of the other guys that you mentioned. Just not yet. If Oregon winds up being the best team in the Pac-12, gets to the second weekend, making a lead eight, uh, or a Final Four, which would, by the way, be the second of Pritchard's career, I think he'd be there. But uh, he's just he's just shy of that right now. I would not say at this point Peyton Pritchard is one of the seven or eight most famous current college basketball players. Yeah, that, that's the pro- that's the problem. Is that for you to be on that list? I think you've kind of got to be on everybody's radar from the, you know, for, from from your freshman season. You know, like like Tyler Hansborough was at North Carolina and a star 
from the moment he stepped on campus and then he played four years. So it's like, my God, this I've been thinking about this dude for four years. We're not used we're used to thinking about college basketball players for five months. I've been thinking about this guy for four years. Mm-hmm. And Peyton Pritchard just isn't that. Like he averaged seven point four points per game as a freshman for Oregon, which did go to the final four that season, but he didn't matter much. And Oregon is let's just be honest, off of most people's radar until they get to the final four. And then it's like, oh, Oregon's here. I like ducks. But like before that, it's not like people people aren't spending uh, you know December outside of Oregon or certainly the West Coast talking about Oregon. So Peyton Pritchard just he hasn't been in your face for four straight years. Kind of been in your face. Like I'm not even sure he's been in your face since longer than like last weekend. Like last week, like last weekend, he was on national television, balling out. People were like, "Peyton Pritchard is awesome," but does the if I walked into a sports bar tonight in Middle America and had a picture of Peyton Pritchard and held it up well, and that'd said, be, "That'd be weird," but yeah, keep going. <laughs> that would be weird. Attention! <laughs> hey, hey, mute those TVs. Excuse me. I've got an eight by eleven glossy. I, I, I need have a, someone I have to identify this man right now. I would have a I have a poster I would like to hold up. <laughs> you need right, to, I, I have a poster I would like what? to hold we, up. We're gonna my do this in right Las, We're doing this in Las Vegas. We're gonna you're gonna print out or I'm gonna print out a picture of Peyton Pritchard. We're it's not middle America, but still we're gonna we're gonna walk. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. In <laughs> we're Vegas. gonna walk into a random sports bar in Vegas and be like, who can identify this man? Okay, this is we're really going to do this. Okay. You're going to print out a nice picture of Peyton Pritchard minus the Oregon uniform. Okay. And I, we will walk into a sports book at the cosmopolitan and I will, I will stand front and center on a table. I will hold it above my head, which means it'll be about five foot, 10 inches off the ground. And I will, I will ask people who are literally in a sports book. Do do you know this person? (laughs) And I bet you almost nobody knows. Peyton Pritchard Pritchard is an awesome college basketball player, but he doesn't resonate like that. You know who does resonate like that? Greg Paulus. Greg Paulus should be on that that Hall of Fame. That's true. I mean, another white guy. Yes. White guy, played four years on a national stage, started 32 minutes as a freshman for a Duke team that won 32 games and was the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. You want to get on the Mount Rushmore of, my God, this dude's still in school? You have to be you have to be that visible all four years. Greg Paulus was very visible all four years. So I don't think Peyton Pritchard can sniff the Mount Rushmore. Greg Paulus, he's up there forever and always. Last question, Norlander. All right. How has St. John's looked in the non-league and how many teams – Will the Big East get into the NCAA tournament? That comes from C.T. Fazio. C.T. Fazio. I don't know. How's it looked in the non-league? Well, I watched it lose to Vermont. It was close, but I uh, see. I've seen. I saw some of Vermont. Uh, I saw some of Arizona State. Those were those were both losses. I don't think I've seen St. John's other than those two games. So to me, St. John's is horrendous. Uh, all I've seen is. <laughs> I've only seen him lose games. Now, it's played nine other games. All of those have been wins. But yeah, I don't I don't even I, I don't even know. I mean it's 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 been 
It's I, I guess it's outperformed expectations. It defeated West Virginia. That's certainly notable. CT Fazio is probably inspired to send this question in, riding that high of that WVU win uh, on Saturday, December seventh. So next up, at home Wednesday night in advance of this podcast against Albany, and then the previously discussed Bizarro game this weekend. Uh, the Chris Mullen Memorial Spectacular in San Francisco <laughs> against Arizona. Uh, kind of a tough one there. But credit to St. John's. Mike Anderson is actually off to, has them off to a, a relatively decent start here. 9-2. and two, Probably going to be 10-3 and three heading into Big East play. St. John's fans would have definitely taken that heading into the season. Um, second part of that was how many bids will the Big East get? Is that what it was? Correct. Okay. Right now... Big East, third in Ken Palm's rankings among conferences, uh, just behind the Big 12, comfortably ahead of a down ACC. So, hmm. Butler, yeah. Nova, yes. Man, Xavier, yes, is three. This is actually freaky because uh, I'm, I'm looking at this, and now this is just not how I thought the league would be. To say, to put it lightly, to put it mildly, I've never been more wrong about a team than Providence. Got just absolutely waxed by Florida last night. I know you were glued to that one. Okay, so Butler, Nova, Xavier for sure, three. You know, I put this in Wednesday's court report. Seton Hall loses to Maryland. It's six and five. And I can't give you the amount of teams that have done it, but I guarantee you the percentage is way low. The number of teams that have started six and five in a power conference and gone on to get in that large bit in the NCAA tournament is low. Seton Hall's got to win that game. What the hell? I'll say well, they will. Good luck. They're not winning that game. I, I'm, okay. Uh, I'm going to say. They don't have their two best players. I know, but it's one Maryland's of, weird. One of whom spent the weekend asking his coach why they were practicing at Rutgers in the middle of a game against Rutgers. I know. I know. All right, but I'm going to say they squeak in. So Butler, Nova, Mark, uh, Xavier, Seton Hall is four. And then it's between like Marquette, Georgetown, Creighton, DePaul. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to say that's a weird league to try and project now. I'm going to say Marquette is five, and then one of Georgetown, Creighton, DePaul. I'll say six get in, but I can't discern between those three teams at this moment. Shouts to DePaul. You know, 10 and one. That that great start. We dedicated, we dedicated like 30% of a podcast to Dave Lato's Blue Demons. But I gotta, I gotta see more here. So I'll say six. What about you? Um, yeah, six or seven? No, no. I, pick, I pick a number. Six I'll, I'll go, or seven. What's it gonna be? I'll pick six. Okay. They do have eight teams in the top sixty at Ken Palm right now. But if you told me I gotta pick six, I'd go Butler, Villanova, Marquette, Xavier, Creighton. Only one more. <sighs> Seton Hall, I guess. Yeah. I guess. And then I'll leave Georgetown and DePaul out. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> no. actually it's it's good question. It's 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 tough to really figure out what, it, what the the league's good. The league's good. It is They've good. good Butler, by the way, debuted fourth in the net. So Bulldogs are sitting nice, very nice. Uh, they got a game against Purdue uh, this weekend in the Crossroads Classic. Keep an eye out for that. Well, thanks for the questions. We're just going to stick with those three, and then 
got a well, fresh uh, new uh, batch uh, for uh, next uh, week, uh, or, or you got something more for me here? I've got and no more questions, but like okay. I don't feel like we properly uh, answered CT Fazio's question. He said how St. John's looked in the night. By I, the way, can, I you imagine, did. can you imagine listening to a podcast and going, "Oh, these guys, I like these guys." And they said if we give a five star <laughs> review and leave a comment and a question, maybe they'll answer it. I'll take the time to do that, and then you go do it, and you're like, "Man, I love St. John. I love the Red Storm so much." <laughs> maybe my first question ever for the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast will be, "Hey, how do you think my nine and two St. John's team has looked so far?" And Norlander's like, um, her- horrendous. I think they're horrendous. <laughs> I think they're I'm not gonna BS. I, if I had seen that, I have not made appointments to watch St. John's go up against St. Peter's, Columbia, Central Connecticut, Mercer, and Brown. So from what I have seen, they keep losing. Now those are the only two losses that have happened. But I gave a broader takeaway. It's right now, they're probably going to be ten and three heading into Big East play. If you were a St. John's fan heading into the season, you would have definitely taken that. I, I think so, um, but the the details aren't great. If we're being honest, uh, they're they're nine and two. Went over West Virginia. That's good. Also ninety six at Ken Palm, which is dead last in the Big East. That's not good. Zero sub eighty five losses. I guess that's good. Kentucky can't say that. Duke can't say that. But only one top two hundred win. And the schedule's been garbage. Kim Palm has their schedule ranked 347th in the country. And that's before Mike Anderson is honored in San Francisco. <laughs> I hope they honor Mike Anderson in San Francisco. Like, what if they, like, what if at the exact same time I'm holding up a picture of Peyton Pritchard in a sports book, um, they just, they pretend Mike Anderson is Chris Mullen. They just, they, they, they say all the same things. Like, had an incredible career here with the Warriors, won a gold medal, USA Basketball. We're honored. Spend this day honoring one of Golden State's all-time greats, Mike Anderson. And he just sort of waves to the crowd. He gives a speech. What the hell are you talking about right now? I wish they could pretend that Mike Anderson is Chris Mullen and just have the exact same ceremony they were going to have for Chris Mullen at St. John's. For people who have no idea what we're talking about, it, it, it might be because we don't really know what we're talking about. That's but Norland, Norlander pointed out on a uh, on Sunday's po- a recent yeah. podcast that <laughs> this is still so funny to me. St. John scheduled a neutral court game against Arizona in the Warriors' new building so that the Warriors could honor Chris Mullen. And then Chris Mullen, like, is no longer the coach at St. John's. So Mike Anderson's got a coach St. John's in San Francisco against Arizona, which is just the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> it's, and somehow it's become one of the greatest things, yes. <laughs> shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and the legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Bothcock. <laughs> Please. Bothcock. <laughs> Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. And we will talk to you again on Friday? I guess. Oh, God, I'm so tired of doing these. It feels like we do these every day. I'm sick of this. I guess we'll talk to you again on Friday. Uh, Or maybe, maybe, maybe. Hey, I think we did discuss this Thursday night. Holy crap, tomorrow night? We got to do this again? <laughs> because we're both flying to Vegas tomorrow, and we'd like to have this ready for you early Friday, but in I ain't theory, trying to get yes. up that early on Friday in Las <laughs> I know, Vegas. I know, I know. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. 
I guess we'll record again tomorrow night. <laughs> hey, Norlander, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> I talk to you more than I talk to anybody else on this planet. This is, this is ridiculous. Sounds, sounds good, man. I'll uh -oh. talk to you later. I can't wait. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.